1: Hello,
2: everybody, and welcome back to a very special episode of Podcast and Chill. This is a series where we take a deep dive into the stories that are often untold in the world of sports. I'm your host, Tim Petropolis. Usually it's a one-on-one conversation, but today we're going with the triple team. We're going with the triangle. I got my partner here,
3: Nick the lamb, Deus, on the side. Yo, 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 Tim, what it do, man? I'm back. I'm out here. Uh, I've been looking forward to doing this podcast for a while. And uh, initially, it was just going to be me and my buddy that I'm going to get to shortly. But then I knew how you are with collegiate sports and how passionate you are about that topic. And I figured, why not, man? I think this is going to be very interesting. I'm excited to get this going. And uh, I guess without further ado, the other guy on the microphone is uh, my good buddy, Jesse. Jesse was a guy that I met back in college. Shout out to Buff State. You know, we got a lot of Bengals out there that are always uh, chiming in. Uh, We met back in Buffalo. Dude, can you believe it's been almost, like, it's been about 10 years now, right? 10 years. Yep, T-
1: 10 years. It's kind of crazy.
3: 10 years of friendship. Crazy. Uh, fresh off a trip, I was just in Rochester over the weekend for UFC, and I was hanging out with my other buddy from college also. And I know this isn't going to sound like a college reunion tour that I'm going <laughs> on, but it's just funny how it lined up. And uh, I'd say it's the two people that I spoke to the most in college I've kept in touch with, and in particular, Jesse, and the reason why Jesse is here today is... When it comes to football, man, me and you always had the craziest conversations, and you're one of the guys to this day that always hit up about football.
1: Yeah. No, it's true. It goes back to college, you know, just hanging out in the dorms, doing whatever, and now, you know, obviously over the phone. Um, Always had an interest in it, and I know you did. And I think football is one of those things that it's, as a country, Mm -hmm. we're pretty interested in. But I know me and you always talked about it, always competitive on Madden. Oh, and, yeah. And, and FIFA. Yeah, yeah. but um,
3: Madden used to get intense, yeah, too. Yeah,
1: Madden did used to get intense. So, um, but no, it's good to see you. It's been a while.
3: Yeah, man, it has been a while. So, Jesse is a assistant defensive back coach at Central Connecticut. Is that correct? That is. And that, that is, is division? One, one double A. Okay, nice.
1: One double A. So it's I mean obviously the 1A schools are all the schools that everybody knows about right it's the the, the Michigans the Ohio State's the Alabama's the Auburns um the the lower conferences at the 1A level would be the MAC you know um you know Ball State mm. um those teams 1AA is right below so the 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 best teams in 1AA football can will and will beat a 1A team um it happens I mean obviously the big one that everybody knows about was Appalachian State. That's right. Know, 2007 beating Michigan. Tim, that um, that stings him a little bit though uh, too.
3: You know why? Because uh,
1: my my brother and sister went to Michigan, so oh. I I still remember <laughs> watching it. Um, that one must have hurt. It did hurt. It did hurt. And then I, you know, I think a couple I think a couple years ago Towson beat Ugon. So it happens. It happens. And and to be honest with you, um. The 1AA football probably doesn't get enough credit, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that because I'm in it, but the the best teams, you know, North Dakota State, James Madison, um, they're really good football teams and could probably beat, you know, could probably compete with a lot of 1A teams.
2: So, so the reason probably why they have to compete so hard and can compete so hard is because uh, if you look at college football as a whole, and even in the high school level, it's taken... Very, very seriously, this is not something they do just for a hobby, just for fun, so take us into what it 's like to be one of the student athletes that you coach um, what what's what 's a day in the life of a student athlete like
1: well I mean uh, to be honest with you these these kids don't probably don't get enough credit, and people don 't realize what goes on um, with them behind the scenes. you know you see them for three hours on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are exposed for you know. Let's say they play twelve games. It's it's twelve Saturdays. It's three hours. So that's that's thirty six hours of their lives. But what people don't see is they lift. You know, I'm, and I'm I'm throwing out random numbers out there. But they lift. You know, one hundred and fifty times a year. They meet. You know, one hundred and fifty times a year. They have runs in the summer. There's practice. Um, so all these hours add up to. Three hours on a Saturday in the fall. And shit, um,
3: you didn't even mention academics, too. Which I, just, I didn't mention academics. Uh, I was just talking about the football Yeah, yeah the, yes. which is, no, no, I, I I get that. I'm just saying how crazy that is. You mentioned, you know, lifting and team meetings and film study right. and all this other right. stuff.
1: And then stuff they do on their own. Yeah. And all this is on top of school. Yeah. So, you know, in season, we'll meet in the morning. They lift twice a week. We practice four times a week. You know, travel on a weekend if necessary. Um, and all that on top of class. So, um, they are very, very busy. They have to handle a lot. Um, they're probably not given enough credit for what they do handle. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I tell recruits now that I talk to, like, if you, you know, if you don't know that you want to play college football, don't do it because the time commitment is just, it's, it's too crazy. If you're not sure, you really got to love it.
3: Yeah, you you mentioned something. We're gonna to get to recruiting in in a little bit. That's a big topic on here. But something that you said that I find really you know intriguing is this has always been my stance. Where you know I went to Buff State, I kicked up there, and that's a D three school. And there's a stigma with you know oh you're D one, you're D two, you're D three, D one, double A or whatnot. But yo, you're right, man. There is is no different, you know. Like there are people that play in the NFL right now at a high level that are Division three athletes, yes. Z- zero star recruits, one star recruit, you know. So where you come from, it look it does help because you get the national exposure. You're on TV, you're on ESPN, CBS, right. so it helps with with, with right. uh, you getting scouted. But yo, if you're talented, man, you'll get you'll get discovered.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And sometimes it doesn't happen in college. Sometimes, obviously there are misses and that's mm-hmm. why there are guys in the NFL who come from smaller schools because obviously they got, they got missed on coming out of high school. So if it doesn't happen coming out of high school and you, you put the work in in college, you'll get noticed and it, it happens a lot. You know, the, the division three, all American team um, are really, really, really good football players and could, could play at a one double a level could probably play it, maybe play at a one a level, obviously, you know, depending on the school and the situation. So yeah, it's a, an in inexact science.
2: So, it, speaking of the inexact science, one of the reasons you're out here is because you're also scouting, right? So you you do some recruiting, like Nick said, yeah. And so, but you're also a coach, a DB's coach. So, what are some things you look for in a young DB? Like, if there's a young DB listening right now, what are some things that you're looking for when you're scouting, knowing that this kid can handle what I'm about to throw at him? Well,
1: I think there's a lot. There's a lot to it. Um, the first thing is. And we can we can dive deeper into this, but everybody's got a highlight film now, right? I'm sure you guys are familiar with Huddle. Oh yeah. So you know every player has a highlight film. Well, so tell, the-
3: tell tell us the people listening. Well, explain to them what Huddle is, because I've mentioned Huddle in the past too, but sort of like in passing, assuming people know. But for the people that don't know, coming from you, where this is like your thing, what's Huddle?
1: Huddle is a Huddle is a website that um, is used by college football coaches to access. Um, basically highlight films. So, most high school teams have a huddle page, and within that page, you can go to the roster and and click on kids. Um, it's usually got their height, their weight, their, you know, Twitter handle. Some kids put up there, um, and they, they will put up highlight films, and this is a lot of times how college coaches, at least at our level, um, judge and rank these players. Um... Getting back to what you were asking, there is there is um, so there's obviously the physical part of it, right? There's the speed, there's the hips, there's a the transition ability, there's the I'm six feet and I'm 190 pounds, and obviously all that goes into it. But when you dive deeper into the kid, it's you know does he love football? How seriously does he take school? Um, does he get in trouble outside of school? You know is are there any you know there's there's a list of questions that you can ask. So I think. Sometimes, not only high school athletes, but kids don't understand is it's an overall picture. It's not only what you do on the field. It's what you do in the weight room. It's what you do in the classroom. It's what you do when you're with your friends um, because we want to know all that because essentially if, you know, you can be the best football player in the world. If you're not going to go to class, you can't help us. School's, mm. school's got to come first. So um, I think it's a, that's, that's a great question, and that, that's probably a, I could probably go on for, for an hour on just that. But I would say that the overall picture is important. Your grades are important. You know, are you liked by your principal? Are you liked by your teachers? You know, do you treat the cafeteria lady with respect? Um, that all comes into it. And then obviously the, the the on the field stuff. So so when you're when you're looking into that, how
2: much of a uh, of a factor is it? Because you said you're going on Huddle and you're getting these kids' Twitter bios, you're getting their Instagram right. pages. I'm guessing like how much is of a how much of a tool is it? using those in order to get that background check
1: the the it's more it's, for us it's more talking to the coaches and you know to be honest with you I've never been at a at a higher level I you know I've never been at a at a power five school I don't know if it's any different there um but for us we more talk to the coach and, and kind of ask them about the kid mm-hmm. you know did, is the kid you know a behavioral issue is he you know usually we hear good kid and um you know kind of does everything the right way and if you don't if you hear something different than that it's something that you you know you you bring back to the head coach or you when we, you know when we get on campus and we watch these kids tapes um it's disgust like hey this kid is talented but he you know he he comes with some baggage mm-hmm. so you know and we have taken kids that you know um are not academically the best and i think there's two sides to that the first thing is um, you gotta, well, you know, when they get to college, you know that academics are not their strong suit. So you gotta, you know, you gotta pay attention to them. But the other side of it is, is that this is an opportunity for these kids to go to college and these kids to graduate from college. And it's so, also,
3: it's also a fresh start for them too. It is a fresh. Cause start. I know, I mean, you know, one of my roommates without mentioning any names, this kid had, you know, we're coming from the uh, public school system in New York. We didn't really have ABC and D grades. We had the numbers, you know, 65 was passing. 100 obviously being 100 this kid was like a 70 you know 70 grade point average i guess you could say right comes out to like what what is that like a low low a end c-, c minus like a c minus and now this kid man is like running rough shop through everything like this kid is you never be able to put the two together like this kid was you know not to be a dick but he was an asshole in high school and now you see him and he's completely different so it is also a fresh start it too is,
1: it is a fresh start and i know the kid you're talking about and uh yeah, that kid is. That kid has a. Speaking of a of a story, yeah, um, not maybe not maybe not a sports story, but that's a, that's a that's a story that's worth hearing because he is, um, he's an inspiration. Like that kid comes from comes from nothing and has made a lot of himself.
3: How so. many how many kids would you say is is, is like that? Like have, have have you interacted with kids who maybe were like this person that we're talking about? And then he comes to basically there's a kid, right? Love him on tape. His coach says a lot of great things about him, but then there's the yeah, but, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, and we and we take kids like that, and you gotta you gotta work with them, and you gotta have patience, and you give them a year to try to let them figure it out, and you gotta talk to them and make them realize that this is important, um, especially if they're on scholarship, you don't want to blow that. Um, but yeah, we 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 take kids like that, and and when it works, it's great, not only for the kid, but for us. Like you. You, change someone's life. You change somebody's life, and you gave this kid an opportunity to get a college degree. Where maybe, if it's not for you, or for for you know, if it's not for another school, if it's not for football, he doesn't have that. He doesn't go to college. Mm-hmm. So um, it's 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 rewarding in a way. But yeah, there is there is work, and there 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 are some kids that are like that. And you just listen. It's a it's a case by case basis. Um, some kids come out of of bad neighborhoods. And they they kind of know what to expect, and they know the grind, and they're not really a problem. Other kids are different, so you know you just I think you just kind of judge everybody on on an individual level, and um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't.
3: Does the position that they play uh, determine maybe how much leeway they have with baggage? Like, I've heard, you know, I'm Bill Polian, who used to coach, uh, he was a GM for the Buffalo Bills in the early 90s, that Bills team that, you know, went to all those AFC, all those Super Bowls. And then um, also, you know, with the Colts, famously, more of our generation. Right. Uh, he, he once said in his book how, you know, when you're scouting for a quarterback and you're scouting for a defensive back, it's a little different, right? Quarterback, king, uh, king of the castle, keys to the kingdom right? This is your guy. He needs to be the leader of the whole team. That guy, you kind of need him to be clean cut. Whereas like maybe like a linebacker or a wide receiver or a tight end or something. It it is, am I?
1: No, I think, I think you're right. And I think quarterback is the one position to where, yeah, you, you need a kid who is, you can't have that kid be a problem. mm -hmm. That kid has to be um, a leader. And actually we just, so at Central Connecticut, our our quarterback just uh just got picked up by the Bengals. So oh sweet yeah.
3: So um, let's be honest, Andy Dalton. Mm. Well,
1: What's his name? I, I,
3: Jake Dolagala.
1: Excellent,
2: excellent. So, well, congratulations
1: big to Jake. Six foot six, nice uh, kid. But Jake was, I mean, you know, he he could make every throw in the book, and that's that's what you notice about him when you watch him on film. But um, Jake was a great kid. Jake did everything you asked him to do. Um, you never had to tell Jake. You know, Jake was a bio major, and I think he had a 3-5 coming out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, a leader. Um, not not rah-rah, not in your face, but led by example. And, um, you know, he, he exemplified what, what we wanted out of a student athlete. Mm-hmm. So not only was he, you know, a really good quarterback and could make every throw and did it on the field, but off the field – um, you pretty much could count on him to do the right thing, so it was good, good situation.
2: So you obviously, I mean, not not necessarily you, but your school obviously recruited him. Take us a little bit through the recruiting process. You're you're on your way back right now from a couple of recruiting trips. So what's the recruiting process like? What's the first step uh, when you before you even get into a kid's living room, or if you're even contacting them this way? Like, what's take us through the process of recruiting a kid?
1: So at our level, we all have. Um, we all we're, were given an area, right? So I was given New York City because I'm, I'm from Brooklyn, and it's kind of easy because I knew, you know, yeah. sort of know the high schools. Um, and it just starts with watching the, watching the film, um, can this kid do it, mm-hmm. right? So you look on Huddle and you kind of look at, you know, the first thing you can look at almost is height and weight. If there's a lineman who's, you know, in high school who's 5'11 and 185 pounds – that's it's probably not going to work. Yeah. Um, so you can at least give yourself a basis there. So can he do it? Is he big enough to do it? Is he, you know, is he fast enough to do it? Um, and then when you get beyond that, you contact him and, and it's it's a long process for us. You know, it, it usually starts at the that the end of their junior year. And that's where I'm looking right now. I'm looking at juniors who are, you know, finishing up their junior year and going into their senior year. And this kind of starts the process of of recruiting. Um You know, it it starts on film and then you get into their school and you ask about, you know, you ask their coaches about them. You meet them. You find out what they're looking for. Um, And our head coach always used to, you know, harp on, do you want to go away from home? Do you want a big school? Do you want a a small school? Um, So all that stuff matters and that's stuff that they have to figure out. Um, And then you try to get to know the kid over time and try to build a relationship with him. And for us, it kind of just... It's it's funny, man. You, you never know how this thing's going to play out. So we have to wait, obviously, until... Because, you know, we could be recruiting a kid and all of a sudden he gets a Syracuse offer mm-hmm. or a Stony Brook offer even who's a little bit bigger than us and he's, you know, he's probably going to go there. So for us, it kind of usually comes down to, to the end. But I think the big thing now is to get to, get to know them, talk to the coach about them, um, and then obviously camps, camps are a big deal.
3: How much does that suck? Where you know you're recruiting this kid for about a year, and I'm sure it happens. I mean, you see it happen at big programs too. It's like this kid, you know, slided his hometown LSU to go to Bama, or you know, he didn't go to Ohio State, and his whole family went there, and he went to Michigan. You know, so how does how does that feel to you personally when you put in time with someone and then they're kind of like, nah, man, I'm out. I'm gonna go here. It's- it it sucks. Um,
1: it does suck. It, it's just you, what you kind of have to realize is that, you know, and I think when you watch football, it's, it's the same thing for a fan, right? When you watch as a fan, when you get angry about a decision a player makes, you don't know what went into that decision. Correct. Right? So, you know, Kevin Durant
3: goes to the Warriors. Everybody flips out. Oh, easy. Well. Easy. Tim is th- Tim is number one. Yeah, I, don't Kevin to, Durant. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, I picked, maybe I picked the wrong thing. <laughs> no, I am just playing. But.
1: Uh, what all all my point is you don't know what else is going on in his life right and you don't know the conversations he had with his his wife his coach his his whoever yeah um so these kids are these these people are human they're not they're not only a football player there is a backstory to it and there is a million other things that lay into that decision yes it does suck um but you just got to kind of have to be understanding, and, and sometimes you push, and sometimes you, you know, you call the kid and try to push him, um, and sometimes you back off. But, you know, if we're recruiting a kid, and this, this you know, this is not going to happen, cause, or it hasn't happened, but if we're a recruiting a kid and all of a sudden, you know, Michigan comes in, I don't I don't really think you can blame the kid for making that oh, decision. Oh, 100%, yeah. Right? So, you know, it's just, it's a matter of of, of levels, and we have, you know, within 1AA football, you know, um, James Madison, right? We're recruiting a kid, and all of a sudden, James Madison comes in. Well, now you're talking about a chance, you know, to, a real chance to go play for a national championship, you know, a stadium with, with 45,000 people. It's, it's different, and you can't, you can't blame the kid for wanting to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. So what are your selling points when you talk to them? Like, what, What's the thing to say, you, you, you come to my school, this is why it's good, right for you?
1: To be honest, I try to sell them on doing what's best for them. I try to sell them on me caring for them as a person. So if, and you know, again, you got to know the school you're at. Central Connecticut is not Harvard, let's just say, right? So if I, if I'm, if there's a kid at a school and the kid's got a 4.0 GPA and a 1500 SAT and he's a great football player, yeah, I'd love to have him. Is it realistic? Probably not. You just kind of have to know where you are. And if he came to, if he, you know, if he got a scholarship to Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, and he came to Central Connecticut, that might not be in his best interest. Mm-hmm. So, um, my first selling point is me actually caring about them as people. And then I would get into, you know, the offense, the defense. Um, we won our conference in 2017, and we were a play away in 2018. Um, you know, we have nice facilities for our conference. Obviously, it's it's all comparative. But, um, you know, I think it starts, at least for me, with them as people. And, again, I'm – not again. We haven't brought this up. But I've been recruiting for, for two years, so I'm relatively new to this. Mm. So I'm still trying to figure out, you know, that's a, it's a salesman job, how you sell a kid, and, um, you know, it's, it's obviously an inexact science.
2: So you said you've been in it for two years now. Um we all know you went to college with Nick. Yeah. So, what made you what made you get into it? What made you say that this is what I want to do because um everything I've ever seen about coaching is it's an absolute grind. So, what made you decide that this is the thing I love enough to take that grind on?
1: I um so when I went to so I went to Buff State for a year and then I went to Albany. And at Albany, I was a student assistant. Um and then after college, I uh I worked Let's just say a a normal, a normal job, we'll call it, Um, you know, a nine to five sit at a desk um, and, and do whatever. And I was I was really bored. And I wasn't happy and I was making decent money. It wasn't about the money. It was just about I didn't like getting up and going to work every morning. And Trust again, me,
3: you're talking to some people right, right. now. And I think and, a lot and, of people and, listening and, and, that are shaking their heads. And, yes. and
1: and nothing nothing to do with the people around me. Of course. Nothing yeah. to do with, you know, my my whoever my boss was. It, it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with me. Um and then I got a call from somebody I knew from Albany who was then at Central Connecticut. Um and he said there is a there's a video spot open. Would you be interested? So I kinda just took it and this was in two thousand sixteen. So I did video for a year and then I moved on to the field in two thousand seventeen. So I've been on I did video for a year in two thousand sixteen and now I also do video, but I'm also coaching um, for the last two years and this will be my third year coaching.
3: When you mean when you say video, what exactly are you doing? Are point. you are you breaking down film? Are you are you the one shooting the video? So, yes. I was the one shooting and
1: then cutting up. So I for those of you obviously when you look at football film, there's a sideline shot and an end zone shot. And mm-hmm. I don't know how obvious that is to, to listeners who have never been exposed to this stuff. But, you know,
3: there's... It, there's, it doesn't look like how it it doesn't, on TV. It, do, it doesn't look is, like is how it looks saying, on TV. Yeah.
1: Basically, the sideline shot is, oh, some people refer to it as an all-22. Mm-hmm. So it's all 22 guys on the field so you can see everything. And then an end zone shot is more for the linemen, you know, the linebackers, you know, did you fill the run gap correctly, did you, whatever. Um, so I would I would film one part, and then I would be responsible for cutting, which is putting the two together yeah. for practice, for games. Um, and then when I got into coaching, I'm not filming, but that's where the, the film breakdowns comes in, breaking down formations, tendencies, pass plays, run plays, you know, all that stuff comes into play.
3: What kind of coach are you? Are you a, are you a yeller? Are you a soft-spoken kind of like, hey, man, look, I know. Because I always like to say, and one thing that my high school coach always told me is, like, no one feels worse than the person that made the mistake. So there are different approaches to you talking to a kid that blew coverage or something, you know. So, like, as a DB's coach, how do you, how do you approach a kid that just gave up a 70-yard bomb and they took the lead? Um,
1: I think in a game. You know, someone on our staff always says, like, Saturday's the test. Yes. So this guy is crazy in practice. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets to games, he calms down. Mm-hmm. And I think that is – personally, no, I am not a yeller. Mm-hmm. And I think as a staff, you kind of have to have a little bit of everything. Um, I'm not a yeller on the field. I'm not a in-your-face rah-rah guy off the field. So I think you have to be yourself to a certain extent. Um being fake, I think, is what will get you in trouble. Not Obviously not in real trouble, but in trouble with the players because they can see that. So if you're quiet and you're kind of reserved. And passive. And passive. And then all of a sudden you get on the field and you're a maniac, it, you, you come across as fake. It's like a gimmick you're kind of putting it's, it's, on. It's, that's exactly what it is. Um, so, no, I'm not a yeller. And I, to be honest the two years I've coached, I've been up in a booth. I've been up in the booth. So I don't deal with really the players Mm -hmm. on the sideline. But I think if if that's the case, if it's early in the fourth quarter and a kid just gave up a 70-yard bomb, you got to love them up a little bit and make them realize, hey, the game's not over yet. Like, let's go.
2: How how much does coaching make a difference in the kid's ability? So, for example, um, a lot of the times we see a guy in the NFL draft being called a project right? He's a guy that has great physical talent, great physical tools, but he's going to need to be coached up. How much can a person be coached up? Do you believe that you could take someone with some raw physical tools and as a coach and as a coaching staff, make him into a great player, or do you think greatness just resides in someone?
1: Um, that's a good question. Um, that's a great question. I, that's a really actually, good man. question. Good shit. And to Cross be honest that. to be honest with you, I, I think so th- I think that it kind of goes both ways. Some kids come into college and they are natural football players. Not necessarily the fastest, not necessarily the strongest, um, but just naturally really good at football. High football IQ, um, awareness. And I won't I won't mention names, but our best corner on our team, who is a two-year all-conference kid, is not the fastest kid, and I don't think he's the strongest kid. Um He's a he's a really good football player, mm. and it just I, I mean obviously he's you know he's tough he's got the 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 quickness stuff and he's he's got the technique but he just came in and and you saw it from his freshman year like this kid is just really good at football. Um, we have other kids with a ton of raw physical tools, and you have to coach them up. And maybe they, you know, a lot of the times they get away with stuff in high school because there's the most you know they're the most athletic kid on the field, so you know, they're covering a receiver and they're, you know, just backpedaling and keeping up with the kid. It's not really that hard. All of a sudden you come to college and you got a, you know, a six, two wide receiver who could run by you and then stop on a dime and run a comeback. Now you got to put some technique into it. So I think it goes both ways. But yes, I do think a kid can be coached up. Um, at the end of the day, it's on the kid. You can coach the kid up. The kid's got to be willing to change and take the coaching and, you Work on it on his own. You know that the the ten minutes or fifteen minutes of individual practice is probably not enough. He's gotta he's gotta work.
3: It's a it's a want to. You is, you have yes. to you have to want to put in the work and all that because, yo, it doesn't end when they leave you, right? You they co- you coach them, you see them in film, you tell them, "Oh, look, your hips weren't aligned here, or whatever." Right, right. But then if they're not working on it on their own, there's only so much you could do. Right. At that point. So right. they, it does come down to a want to at that point. And
1: you know, why I, I mentioned our, you know, our our, our best corner. Um, he is, he, he you know, he, to some extent, yeah, it, it's it's a credit to him mm-hmm. because he wants to be great. Now, listen, obviously, when I say he's not the fastest, our fastest corner, the kid doesn't run a, a six flat 40. Yeah. He's fast. He's he's a talented <laughs> kid. Yeah. Um, and he's got some some a lot of natural ability but what I mean is he just naturally is a good football player it never really had to be instilled in him
3: when you're recruiting are you just recruiting DBs since that's your now you, oh you're recruiting. I'm recruiting
1: an area oh. so if I see it uh if there is a talented offensive lineman he goes on a board and our old line coach will watch it and rank them and oh, nice. we, go, we go from there and I think that kind of changes at the higher levels um I think, I've never, again, I've never been there, but I think they more can recruit to their position, Mm -hmm. but we recruit an area. So has there ever been a situation where
2: you're going to a game and you are intent, every intent is to scout number 16 or whoever, but somebody else just pops up on your radar and that ends up being the person that you pivot to? Has that ever happened to you?
1: It happened to us last year. Okay. Um... It was, and to be honest with you, we didn't even. It wasn't so much that we changed. I'm trying to remember the game. There was some some receiver that came in and and killed us, and I don't even know if he was on the depth chart. Like I, we didn't even know about him, and he just came in and killed us. He and was we, like
3: a ringer, right? They just brought him on, yeah, off the sheet and, and, and
1: <laughs> pretty much. And when that happens, it's uh, we didn't really have a. You know, we don't. the The in game adjustments are usually. We don't make huge in-game adjustments. Um, we generally are prepared for most of what we're gonna see, um, and sometimes it's really hard to adjust in-game. Um, but yeah, it happened. It happened last year, and we kind of just dealt with it. And I think we ended up winning the game, but it it's it can happen, and you just you know obviously it depends on the position. If it's if it's a running back, you know you can try to play some stuff that stops the run. If it's a receiver, you can you know, bracket them or roll or coverage, roll coverage or, or whatever you can do, whatever's in your your arsenal. But um, if that happens and you're not prepared for it, yeah, it's going to throw a little, you know.
3: What about – similar question. What about when you're going to recruit someone? Say you're recruiting number 21 on some high school and he's a corner, but as you're watching someone else jumps off the screen, maybe even from another team and then he's on your radar. Has that happened to you too? Yeah, Yeah, it does. You know,
1: you, you're watch, you'll watch a, a linebacker and all of a sudden you see a running back and you go, oh, who's you know, who's, who's this kid? Um, so it, it happens both ways. And the other way that happens is um, it happens in um, when, when you talk to the coach. You find mm-hmm. out about other people. And, you know, a, a perfect example is there is a team in New York City, um, let's just say with, with, with two really good players, um, and they both play the same position. So... The number one guy is like a uh, is like a Big Ten level player. The second guy, I didn't know about, but he's he's really good. I, he's not going to go play in the Big Ten, but he's really good. Can can play at our school. Um, but again, that's something you got to find out from the coach. So, uh,
2: I want to switch gears a little bit right now. So we mentioned this before. We touched on it a little bit. You we talked about the recruiting process and recruiting new guys. The technological aspect of this whole thing has gotten. To the point where, I mean, with everything in the world, everything is statistical, and everything is analyzed, and every, everyone has technology, and everyone has the latest thing at their disposal. Um, when it comes to recruiting, uh, new recruits and scouting other, other teams, um, where does technology play a role uh, in that? And it, it, in terms of recruiting just the kids from high school, how many pop at you because of their, their tape online? Like, like, how how many do you start off with online and then go from there? Everybody. Everybody.
1: The short answer is everybody. That's how it is these days. That's how man. it is. That's how it right? is. So, now what's sometimes, it like? You know, the other way is you call a coach and you, you're you talking about a kid and he goes, hey, by the way, I, I got this tackle who you might want to take a look at. And that's, that's fine. Um, recruiting is... You know, I wasn't recruiting 10 years ago or 15 years ago, so I don't know what it was like, but I'll give you another example. Game film exchange, right? So now uh, we have a service called Dragonfly. We tape games, okay? There's an offensive tape, a defensive tape, and a special teams tape. It's sent via Dragonfly to other teams. Ten years ago, when one of our other coaches started, or he tells me stories that he used to have to drive halfway and meet people and exchange the film, and if something was wrong, I don't know what you did, because you can't just call the guy, because they, you know, on your cell phone, and say, hey, this is screwed up, can you fix it, Um, so that's a, that's a really easy example of how technology has changed things, and then, you know, obviously, all these kids are found online, and then Twitter is, you know, listen, every big school has a full um, social media staff, they have people who are there to make, edits and make highlight videos and I mean it it seems to be all these kids care about these days like that is that's what draws them so you gotta as a recruiter you gotta do what's gonna draw them in and if it's on Twitter if it's with edits and stuff like that then you better have somebody on your staff who's good at it
3: I'll never forget there was one time in high school talking about a decade ago right playing high school football in New York City and I had to take the train with my running back to Flushing to get the game tape because my coach, who was also the coach for the wrestling team, had a meeting. So he couldn't physically go and get the tape from the right. school. So we had to go do it.
2: There's nothing more like 2007 New York City high school football than the sentence that you just spoke.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Sums it up. And, yeah. and yo, and yo, talking about talking about like what happens when the game film is trash. Got to deal with it. Right. There you was one school in particular that they gave you it looked like they were shooting that film underwater it was (laughs) was awful but you just had to deal with it you got to deal with it back to twitter and just social media as a whole uh how much is that a concern when you're recruiting a kid because you see it all the time right you saw laramie tunsel a couple years ago he's getting drafted and like was it like a half hour before the draft the video goes viral of him like with the gas mask he's smoking weed and then Josh Allen had like pro Donald Trump tweets yeah. and even Joey Bosa this year. And it's like people are just losing their mind. How much is uh, that a concern for you? I, I, to, It hasn't been for us necessarily. Now,
1: we've had certain players our players put stuff on Twitter and we're like, dude, what do you take that off? It's not it's not a, a hurtful thing or, you know, they wouldn't necessarily, you know, it's not like something that's that's racist or is going to get them in trouble. It's just kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. It's a naked woman or a, or a whatever. So sometimes it's just like stuff that you know isn't really harmful to anybody. You don't want to be in on Twitter. Obviously. It's just a bad look. It's a bad Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a bad look. Um with these high school kids, we follow them on Twitter. So mm. if it if, you know, if it becomes a problem, and we a lot of times we talk to them on Twitter, not through text. Um if it becomes a problem, yeah, we'll uh, you know it'll either we'll have a conversation with our head coach or with their head coach or you know and and we'll look a little further into it. But I haven't really seen a situation where something a recruit said on Twitter has changed our our opinion of him.
2: It's it's interesting because it's it's like the entire world lives online. Even even the most offline thing like sports, the most offline you could be. Uh, lives yeah. online. It's, it's just all, a, it's, all it, online. it's crazy. Dude, it's House
3: of Highlights was built because of guys like Zion Williamson. Yeah. Right. right? He's going to be the number one pick in the draft. I mean, Vegas has him as like a minus 2,500 favorite. You know, so it's pretty much a shoe and everyone knows that. This guy blew up on House of Highlights. They were he, they were putting highlight tapes of him at like 14 years old. you talk talking about a 30-second clip. Yeah. Has that ever jumped off the page for you? Like you're just scrolling on, on like Twitter or something and you see a wild tape because there have been, you know... Going way back, Noel Devine, if you right. guys ever get a chance, man, yeah. dude, this kid Noel Devine in high school, he ended up playing at uh, West Virginia he with like the Pat in West White, Virginia. yo, Tim, and guys listening, girls listening too. It is the most electrifying highlight tape I've ever seen in my life. This kid, you want to talk about like being the fastest guy on the field right. and just being way better than everyone else? It looked like if I was to go play against eight-year-old kids right now.
1: Well, just- it's, it's funny that you mention that because one of the things that differs, and that's kind of how you tell you know, you're you watching the highlight film. Where does this kid fit, right? Where Where is he going to play? Is he going to a Power 5 school? Is he playing 1AA? And obviously, it's all subjective, but a 1AA player, usually on a film, looks like a very, very, very good football player. Probably the best player on the team, right? Um, they're If they're a receiver, they're making people miss and jumping over people and, you know. Um, a kid who goes to Ohio State in high school looks like... Uh, he's 17 and, and playing with a bunch of ten year olds. It doesn't look fair because he is just that much more athletic than everybody else. And you see these kids. I, I went into a school uh, um last spring um with a kid who uh, who was committed to Penn State, mm-hmm. and this kid looked like he was 35. <laughs> like he just he didn't look like a set. I, I like did not look like a 17 year old kid. Um, and he's just you know obviously. You know, I'm I'm sure the kid works really hard, but he just gifted. You know, just won won the gene pool, and yeah, that's he, that's not the, that's not to take away credit. I'm sure he you know works hard, and obviously you know you don't just you're not just born that way. Yeah, you can't
3: but, you can't teach a few things, man. You height and speed you
1: can't teach six five and two forty, and you know yeah. running four five. Yeah, you can't so. teach
3: that.
2: You know I, that makes me think of this. Like had you guys know how dominant Derrick Henry was in high school by any chance? Listen. Listen to this real quick. Just a, a complete offside. Forty-eight games played. He had 1, twelve hundred, one hundred and twenty-four, twelve thousand. Excuse me, one hundred and twenty-four yards. He had a hundred and fifty-four touchdowns. He averaged two hundred and fifty-two rushing yards a game. Yeah. In high school, <laughs> and the thing about
3: it, he did that one time against a professional team last year too. He yeah, in rough shop over like the, it was the Jaguars, right? Like yeah. that Thursday night game. It's crazy.
2: That's the it's type crazy. of guy you don't have to coach right there. I mean, yeah. you
3: you
1: can imagine for the you know for the, for those of the for those of us who are old enough to remember Reggie Bush in college and what he did at USC. Imagine what he did in high school. Yeah, yeah. you know, imagine how you know how much better he was than everybody else. So, so at that level, I mean, obviously you you kind of just. It's like a man playing with boys. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that more pops out, I think, when you talk about kids who go to those, you know, the Alabamas and the Clemsons and so those kind of places.
2: So, obviously, you're not getting Derrick Henry when you no. recruit, right? So,
1: what... No, we're not. <laughs>
2: how, do you, how do you find the diamond in the rough?
1: Um, How do you find a diamond in the rough? You know, I think sometimes it's... Uh, Sometimes you don't know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you get surprised. You recruit. You know, we have, a, we have a kid on our O-line who we recruited for low money. And I wouldn't be surprised if this kid ended up in the NFL. Mm. I mean, we saw him in high school. He's a big kid. He moved pretty well. But he ended up, he's a, he's a stud. And um, sometimes that just happens. Sometimes it's from a small school that's not really recruited that heavily. You can find a kid that maybe other coaches aren't looking at, um, but a lot of times you you know you never you know you never know until the kid gets the kid. He can look great um, and suck, and then he can look like nothing, and end up being a really good player. You never never know, and you do your best. You do your best, and that's that's why I talk about knowing knowing the kid, off the field, on the field. You know, it's a you know again, it's a it's a big picture. So usually. We're judging by, you know, the, the first thing is talent. And if mm. the kid works hard,
3: they'll be fine. We we were having this conversation right before. We were watching some NFL draft uh, video on YouTube. And uh, they were talking about scheme, right? Three This kid that they uh, drafted, I believe it was uh, it was the Cardinals we were watching, Tim?
2: Yeah, we were watching them draft the outside linebacker from Boston College. Boston College.
3: And they said that the Cardinals run a 3-4. Yeah. How much of that weighs into something? Because me and him are... We both agree with each other, but we kind of have different stances. Where I think, hey, you know what I know? If this guy can rush the passer, you can rush the passer. Whether it's four three or three four, how much of that? Hey, whose whose side are you on as far as that? Like, is scheme the be all end all? Well, what's what's your opinion? I
2: I think that I'm not going to draft a, a standing outside linebacker to play in a three technique. I mean, in a three point stance. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna recruit a guy like that. I, I would rather get a guy who plays stand-up outside linebacker. I'm not going to get a guy who's used to three-point stance to stand up now.
3: And and then my thing is... Unless he's like Joey Bosa. Yeah, well, yeah. That's what, obviously, it's a rare expression. Right. Like I was going to say like Von Miller. Like Von Miller, there was some concerns right. coming out of uh, A&M. It was like, well, you know, he's he's dominant off the edge standing up, but if you put him hand on the ground... And then it's like, yeah, you, you know what I know? This guy can rush the passer. But look at who you're talking about. Exa- of course, yeah. And he how said many, Joey how Bosa how, how too. How many, how many Von Millers yeah. and Joey Boses yeah, are there? that's fair. Yeah.
1: Um... I, I scheme plays a role. I think you can fit. So for us, we we actually have we kind of do a broad amount of stuff. Um, we play some four three and some three four. Um, but I think you try to find what the kid does well and you make him do it. So if you have a defensive tackle who is really really strong, then go let him you know line him up on the guard and just go let him mess the guard up or mess the center up and. You know, destroy the run game. If you got a kid who can come off the edge, um, who's a linebacker, then maybe you put his hand on the ground on third down and, and let him go. Um, you can usually find a role for the kid. And when you're recruiting, you know the position you're recruiting him at. So if you're you know if you're recruiting him at safety, and you see him you know hitting a bunch of people, but you don't see him cover anybody, well that can become a problem. Then you need to get him to camp and go, hey, can you know can this can this kid cover people?
3: Last question from me as far as recruiting, and if you got one too, Tim. Uh, you know, coming from New York City, right, the five boroughs, how, what's the talent pool like, man? Are, are we getting any, any good guys? Like, is it, is it a rich talent pool? Is this a hot spot? Or is it, you know, because in the past it used to be, you know, you get your diamonds in the rough, obviously. Stephen Gregory right. came from the PSAL. He right. played at, uh, I forgot what school he played Fort at. Fort Hamilton. Fort Hamilton. And then he, uh, you know, he played for the Chargers, played for yeah. the Patriots. So you get you get sure. these guys that come out of nowhere. Curtis Samuel right now. Right. Anytime I get a chance to E-Hall. shout him out from. Uh, Erasmus. Yeah. And shout him out from the PSAL. You know, I, I have a soft spot for kids from the city yeah. to make it to the pros. Yeah. So what's it like? What's it like recruiting in the pros? You know,
1: New York is not a, a football hotbed. Never has been. And I don't know if it ever will be. There are plenty of talented kids. Mm-hmm. There's just there's there's too many kids in New York City. For there not to be a lot of talented kids, so there is plenty of talent. As as for how much of it goes to the NFL, I mean, you're talking about a, a top, a, the top of top of one percent, right? Yeah. You're talking about a, a percentage that's very very small. So um, yes, there are a lot of kids. Are there more kids in the in the DMV in the in the Maryland area? Probably. New York is obviously more of a basketball town. Um, You know there are always a ton of kids in Northern Jersey, and then obviously you got your Floridas and your Texases and your Californias. So I don't think that New York is a a, like I said like a football hotbed, but I think you can you can definitely find some talent.
2: So last question: the the recruiting. Um, So right now you're on the first rung of this ladder that you've embarked on. Right. Right. Um, what does the ladder look like? Like, do you do you know what's ahead, and what what's your ultimate goal? Like, we've been sitting here talking about your philosophy and all that. What, what what do you hope to achieve, and and what do those rungs ahead of you look like? What is the road to being a coach in the NFL, which I'm assuming that's what you want to be, or or, or big time college close to the very?
1: So you're talking about for me personally. Or you're talking about recruiting.
2: Uh, no, I'm talking about you, for you personally. What, what, are what are your goals? What does that look like? What is the what is the ascension of a coach look like?
1: I think a lot. You know. <laughs> I think a lot of it is is knowing the right people, knowing the right person, and getting in the right circle.
2: So just like everything else, just like everything else. <laughs> I mean, th- think about what yeah, he said. How yeah. you know he's yeah. working
3: his nine to five job. He was hating everything he was doing, and then his buddy knew, that he went to school. I with. knew the right person,
1: yeah. right? And now that person is um, happens to be at Ohio State because he knew the right person. So I think uh, now he is uh, our defense. So our defensive coordinator went to Ohio State. Um, He's a really, really, really good football coach. Like I learned a lot from him. I have a lot of respect for him. Good dude. Um, really good coach. His one of his best friends is is now the defense coordinator of Ohio State. So when that happened, he was able to to get a job with him. So and 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 the guys from Ohio. So it's uh, I'm, I mean I'm glad he got it. But um, you know he 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 knew the right guy. And if you know the right guy at the right level. Um, I think that's a lot of it. And then the other part of it is obviously, you know, your your reputation. You know what I mean? Working hard and, and, you know, working hard in recruiting, working hard on the field, whatever you're asked to do. And I, you know, whether it's make a game plan or sweep the floor, just, just do it to the best of your ability. And, you know, no one wants to hear you complain. I mean, it's the same thing for every other facet of yeah. life, right? No one wants to hear you complain. No one wants to hear you cry. Just get the job done. And then, you know, people will take notice of that.
2: So, you, wh- so what's the end of your road? What's the goal?
1: You know, I I, I used to think that I uh, I wanted to be a head coach, and then I saw what a head coach had to deal with. And that... Um, scared you? It, it is scary, man. It, and a lot of it is, and this is a whole separate conversation, but a lot of it has nothing to do with football. Yeah. A lot of it is just dealing with the administrative part, the financial part, the... The whatever, whatever, whatever comes across your desk, you got to deal with. Um, so maybe defensive coordinator. You know, I, I obviously working at, you know, trying to get to the highest level I can. Working in the NFL would be really cool. Um, but again, I I gotta I have to earn that. You know, right. I've, I've been doing this for three years, so that's got to be earned. So it's yes, it is a goal, but you know, in my mind, I got to make that happen. Baby steps. Baby steps. Double yeah, baby.
3: and listen, you go, you coach in the NFL. If I don't have tickets, Tim doesn't know you this well, but one, I'm flipping one, this yeah. table for <laughs> you right now. One,
1: one step at a time. You love tickets. <laughs> you love tickets. All right, let's
3: let's talk a little bit about the NFL. You're you're a Jet fan. I am. Uh, thoughts on Donald? You know, well, me too, bro. But
2: my you know, my my regards. Yeah, listen, it's, it's, a, it's a hard it's, existence it's, it's that tough. we live. We chose to do this to ourselves. That's it's, that's the worst it's part. It's
1: tough. I'm a Jet and a Met fan. Me too, bro. Oh, there you welcome go. to you know, my my and life. The Knicks. Knicks. Yup. Same Knicks. Same. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but the Knicks are, are definitely my team. The do you guys just effect. become best friends. The, the I, I guess pain, so. Bro. We, just, we have we yeah. have
2: mutual suffering that brings people close yeah. together. We
1: both want to kill ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, my thoughts on Darnold, or I don't know. Really? really? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. I, I, no, 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 no. And this isn't a, i no. No, this isn't a I don't know. Like, I have doubts about him. I don't know until I see him do it. For this is the way I and I. I think about this, I guess a little differently since I've been involved in football, involved in football. I haven't watched enough to tell you my thoughts on Dar. Like I don't watch a lot of the NFL cause I'm busy on Sundays. That's fair. Um, so I haven't watched enough to tell you what my thoughts on Darnold are. And even if I watched every game, that's a position that's so intricate that I probably don't know enough to give you a, a really educated opinion. I can give you a better opinion than most people could, but, um, it's not like I'm a quarterbacks coach watching him. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen, yeah, he's got a. I, I think there's a ton of potential there, and the Jets have to put some pieces around him to make him successful, which I think they've they've tried to do. Um, you know, Adam Gase is apparently this quarterback whisperer, so I I hope it works
3: out. Is my so answer? So do
2: I. God, They'll give it, we're handing the keys to a guy that's. Under five hundred in his career. Sometimes such a a jazz thing to do, but But we'll see, man.
3: I, you know, I I didn't realize this. To you know, I started once all this the whole fiasco broke out with you know uh, McCagnon getting fired, and then like Adam Gase stepping in, you know, and all you know, two sides to every story and whatnot, and also two sides to how people feel about Adam Gase. I didn't know he was the offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning. Yeah, with the Broncos too, and Peyton Manning has
1: apparently raved about him. Yeah. You know, I think, and I, I I heard this on on Colin Coward. Um, Adam GaSe, when he was a student, I I, I want to say at LSU, worked for Nick Saban, mm-hmm. and Nick Saban, um, kind of realized that this kid was really really intelligent and gave him a whole lot of responsibility. And his career tra- trajectory has shot up from there. And he's again, young. Huh? He's a young guy He is a young guy He's, yeah. he's what is he, 40? Maybe Something like that In the 40s, low so he, 40s You know, Nick Saban is You want to talk about the right person That's that's a good person to know <laughs> And to impress um, So he's apparently very, very intelligent And, you know, I I think you got to give him a shot I Yeah, we're handing the keys to somebody Who I guess hasn't done a lot in the NFL But he's been a head coach for three years Man, how do you how do you judge him off that for the Dolphins? For the Dolphins,
2: <laughs> which is if you want to be a worse situation than being a Jets fan, be a Dolphins fan, right? Yeah,
1: Saban got fired by the Dolphins, right? Bill Belichick got fired from from the Browns. Um, Everyone,
3: man, Pete Carroll too. Did
1: Belichick get fired? or Did he quit? He quit. He quit.
3: Sorry. He
2: got fired first, and then he quit. Can't
1: fire that guy. Um, the Browns did. <laughs> you know what team he did quit? Is the Jets. That's right. <laughs> um,
3: you know where he started at, right? No defensive coordinator for the Giants. That's true. Lawrence Taylor. Man, act like yeah. you know, baby. Yeah, cool that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you one thing about Darnold, and uh, I'm pretty sure Tim and I feel the same way about him. It's uh, as someone who has watched the same quarterback for 15-plus years, the stability he brings and that position brings to your team, it's like no other. Yeah. So I'm just knowing that unless that becomes an org- organization's fault if they don't surround them with the right pieces if they don't do their due diligence to – give him weapons to work with. You guys are fine from not having to waste a day one and day two pick on a quarterback for the foreseeable future, which I think is huge.
1: Well, I think we thought that in nine, right?
3: Yes, but this one's different though. Uh, And and here's why I think one, he was, he played more than one year where Sanchez kind of had that one year at USC. And that's for me personally, that's a red flag for me. A kid comes out, he's just a one year starter. You know, I, I didn't like that. That's good. Just one of my staples when I'm looking at quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I think there's a,
1: a lot of potential there. And if he's the Jets quarterback for the next 15 years, then that's, you know, that's obviously awesome. But he's got a – when people ask me what I think, I, I, like, I don't know enough to give a really intelligent opinion. But – um Look, these these NFL teams, I know a lot of the Giants fans, you know, freaked out over David Jones. Daniel. Daniel Jones, sorry. Uh, The amount of research I think that these NFL teams do on these picks is absurd. Yeah. So, I know from Jake, um, you know, we had scouts at almost every practice. So, Jake was not drafted. Jake was picked up like an hour after the draft or so. He got a call, and we knew that if he wasn't going to get drafted... um, he was going He'd to make a practice squad yeah, or get yeah, called yeah, yeah, in for a yeah. workout. He he would he would get signed as a free agent, but you know these scouts come in and they ask about everything, mm-hmm. everything, football, school, family, girlfriend. Uh, what does he eat? How? What does he? You know, whatever, whatever question you can come up with, um, they ask. So and that's for a kid who didn't get drafted. I can only imagine what they do for a kid who was going to be the sixth pick of the draft. So, I think you know. Obviously, teams miss, and it's 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 hard. It's it's an inexact science. But I think you got to give the kid a shot before uh, before you start trashing them.
2: Speaking about giving a kid a shot, let's say we got a young, up and coming high school football player that's listening to this podcast right now. If you are, shout out to you. And they want to know. All right, I think I'm nice. I'm not getting the attention that I deserve. How do they get their tape in the hands of you or a recruiting guy? How do they How do they get there?
1: I for high school kids, I think the best way to do it is you go to camps. Cuz when you go to camps, you get seen, right? So go to, you know, go to the ruckers and go to the temples and go to the uh, the Boston colleges and go to the wherever you live, um, you know, go to the big schools. Not only that. Go find So if you were if you were that good, Right, that you could be playing at Alabama, then you would have gotten noticed.
3: Yeah. Most time they find you.
1: Right. Most time you're not gonna get missed on that level. But the other thing I would say is if you're a step below that or two steps below that or, you know, like, like us, go to the small schools. You know, go to go to us, go to go to Fordham, go to you know, Wagner, because that's probably where you will I mean, I, I you know, obviously we're not we're talking about a person that doesn't exist but if that's the level that you're on and they see you you work out in front of these coaches and they go oh you know who's this kid this kid can play so I think going to camps is um is is huge and obviously you can blast out emails and and do all that kind of thing sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but I think for a high school kid get to as many camps as you can and um you know eventually you're gonna get noticed
2: the camps the camps that you're talking about. Uh, you go to these camps to recruit? And yes. Ha- so how would a kid find a camp like this? Online. Yeah. Every
1: school has camps. Okay.
3: I, I mean, I was going to say I went to the Syracuse camp with right. my, my sophomore and junior year. And I also think the best thing about that, too, is, first of all, you're going to be there for three, four days. So you kind of get accustomed to, number one, I'm living away from home. Mom isn't there. Dad isn't there. Grandma's not there. I don't have someone to cook and clean for me. You sort of go through what two a days would be like or or the summer practices would be like. You know, I have to wake up at seven, we'd go get breakfast, 8 o'clock, we have to be on the field, yada yada come back. We went and did a review. So you do get the you know, air quotes the college experience there from a football standpoint. Bit. But I also think, man, you can see where you're at with other people. Like your competition and who's in your class. Yeah. And that's a good liter sure. Well
1: there's there's team camps, right? So there's there are team camps where there are their team comes up, high school teams come up or 20 kids off a high school team come up. And then there are these one day camps Mm -hmm. that all these big schools have. So the, you know, the advantage for me as a recruiter in New York city, when I go to Rutgers camp, there's 2000 kids there. There's probably 300 New York city kids there. It's huge. And I'm not, I'm not there to really recruit them specifically for central Connecticut. I'm there to watch them and see what they can do and watch them run around. Um, and that's why I say get to camps. The downside for a kid going to a Rutgers camp is in that big, large, vast uh, field of kids, you might get missed. Mm-hmm. If you go to a Wagner camp or, a you know, a Fordham camp or, a, you know, pick any, you know, 1AA Division II school, you know, there's 150 kids there. The chances are you're going to stand out. So, you know, you try to go compete with a kid who's trying to get a scholarship at Rutgers, you might not, you know. You might not look great, um, but if you go to enough camps, you will get noticed. That would be my biggest piece of advice to, to high school kids.
3: Who's it? Who's the kid? Because you, uh, I was telling this story before, and you forgot about it, but I'll never forget it. You were telling me about Miles Garrett because you're a big Michigan fan. Yeah. all right? You're telling me about Miles Garrett from like his sophomore year. You're like, "Yo, Michigan got this dude. He's gonna be a, a top five pick."
1: He obviously didn't end up going to Michigan, but I didn't even know. Where you? Know, you, were you talking about? He went to Texas A and M. I think you're talking about Rashawn Gary.
3: Gary, yes, it was yeah. Gary. Okay, yeah. so Gary, right? He gets drafted. Yep. Who's Who's a guy like? I mean, Gary's a perfect example. Now, wow, it was Gary. Why did I feel like it was? Anyway, um, so Gary, right? Who Who's like a guy that maybe you know? We should watch out for. You can't say Gary now because you've been telling me about it. Like maybe that you know of. Um, I,
1: the. From watching, I, I watch more Michigan than I do anybody else on mm. that level. And obviously I watch enough football without you know, I watch enough of our games and I don't have a ton of time in the fall. Um, but I will tell you that the linebacker that the Steelers picked Devin is, Bush is an absolute dude. Um he is He's, he's, I, I thought he was the best linebacker in college football. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I don't watch, I didn't watch yeah. a lot From of From the little that you watched, that's but fair. Yeah. He just always around the ball, instinctive, um, you know, ability to read and, and kind of figure things out. And then obviously the the physical things, the being able to hold up in the run game, to run side to sideline, to cover. Um, you know, you see him, you know, they'll hand off a jet sweep and he'll go, you know, run to a sideline and track the kid down. Um, so I think he is – obviously, he was a top, whatever, 15 pick. Yeah. But
3: um, – Steelers also traded up to get him too. So. Yeah,
1: right, right. Um, but I think he's he's certainly somebody to watch out for. And then the other kid from Michigan who I liked in college, and, of course, he went to the Patriots, uh, is Chase Winovich. And uh, I guarantee you he'll end up hitting Sam Darnold in the back a couple times. No um, doubt. Just apparent. I mean, I don't, obviously don't know him, but from what you see, like just high motor, you know, does everything right, does everything the right way. Um, he'll make himself into a football player. What would
2: you rather have as a as a recruiter? Like you, you've given the upside now to the guy who's super talented and just needs to be coached up. You've given the co- upside to the guy who may not be as talented as the next guy, but will has a a motor. As a coach. What guy would you rather have on the field? The guy who is talented but might but might need some coaching or a guy who is all about the game but maybe not as talented?
3: Um, I feel like that's a weird question because you also like – it's a business where you got to win too. So you kind of got to – Yeah,
1: you you got to know where to take risks. And it's yeah. a little bit of both, right? You got to know where to take risks. But the the kid that will bust his ass – usually ends up working out and obviously there needs to be a, a prerequisite level of talent um, we have an offense we have a we have a guard who is probably not what you'd look at as a you know prototypical college guard he's six feet and he's 285 pounds and he is um, you know not the lengthiest kid. He was all conference last year and probably should have been all conference the year before that um, because he does everything right and he's he just he works his ass off and he's tough and um, You know the type of kid who you got to tell him to go to the you know he won't go to the training room unless he's told to so like You love kids like that because their, their success is, is due to themselves, not due to anybody else. I mean, obviously, they're going to get coached up like everybody else is, but they make themselves successful as opposed to the kid who's, you know, who's got all the talent in the world and doesn't want to do anything. Jesse
2: Goldberger, assistant DB's coach at Central Connecticut, giving us the insight of what it is to be a college coach, what it is to be a recruiter, um, what it is to – what the technological revolution is doing mm-hmm. not only to everyone but the coaches itself. It was really nice to have you on, man. Uh if any kid wants to find you or any hey coach listens to this, which if I was a coach listening to this be like, yo, I want that guy. Um and they want to recruit and you get recruited over the internet, <laughs> you listen, never know, right? You never know. Um where could they find you, man?
1: Uh, my Twitter handle is at coach Goldberger. Um And that's Goldberger with a G with a G. Um and then obviously I'm on the Central Connecticut website. Um, it's probably the easiest place to find me. To find my email on there, and I appreciate I appreciate you guys having me.
3: Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, we've been I've been trying to set this up for a couple months. now. You have. So I'm happy took, we got to do minute. it. Took a minute. Yeah, it took a while. So now we're probably gonna go and grab some beers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jesse, man, get a man. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, bud. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll sign off too. That's it. Yeah, at Veterans Minimum on all social media outlets. And if you're not down with that, I'm sure you guys know the rest. <laughs> and don't forget, f- yourself, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to put the show over, you know. Uh, at the Lamb Show, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, also, ooh, Patreon. If you guys want to help support the show, uh, it's patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. There are a lot of incentives and perks on there, too. We greatly, greatly appreciate each and every one of you. And, uh, yeah, Tim. Yeah, Tim Petrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real frisky. You know
2: the deal. That was Podcast and Chill. We'll be back with some regular episodes of VM and some more Podcast and Chill in the near future. So stick with us at Veterans Minimum again. Uh, That's it for us. See ya.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.